Welcome to Full Radio, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm your host, Karen Curtis. And on this episode, we're going to delve into the concept of sleepwalking as a defense. Because in 2019, it was used by a West Palm Beach man, Randy Herman Jr., who was accused of murder. Now, in normal conversation, the term sleepwalking may be used casually and figuratively, you know, as a way of describing lack of energy or focus. I'm, you know, he's kind of sleepwalking through the day. But for a number of children and adults, actually, sleepwalking is a real condition. And it can have considerable consequences, obviously. I mean, if you're sleepwalking, you don't know what you're doing. It's formally known as somnambulism. And it's a behavior or disorder that originates during sleep and results in walking or performing other complex behaviors while you're asleep. It's more common in children than adults. I know that children can also have night terrors where you think they're awake and they're screaming, but they're not. And it's more likely to occur if a person has a family history of the condition. You know, or if you're sleep deprived, you have sleep apnea, perhaps you don't get a good night's sleep because you're always waking up because you're not breathing. Or if you're prone to repeated nighttime awakenings. I guess new moms could experience parasomnia. You know, they're dead on their feet. They're waking up every three hours to feed the baby. But uh, it doesn't happen that often. It's kind of rare. And it's really not the best defense to use in a murder case. And so what are the symptoms of sleepwalking? Well, it can involve various types of simple or complex actions that a person does while still mostly asleep. And during an episode, a person may have open glassy eyes with a blank stare on their face, you know, that thousand yard stare. And they're usually minimally responsive or incoherent in their speech. So, you know, I guess... It's possible during that parasomnia that you could kill somebody. It's possible. I think the defense has been used before, like in the 1800s. (laughs) But in this case, Randy Herman Jr. says he was sleepwalking when he murdered his girlfriend. Scratch that. She was a girl who was his friend. I, on the other hand, think that there was something more to this. I think it has to do with his alcohol intake. This guy has had a bunch of DUIs, he's a heavy drinker, he is a blackout drinker, and if you drink to excess, it's not how much you drink, it's how quickly you drink it. If you drink to excess over, and you have a blood alcohol level over 0.14, which is like almost twice the legal limit, but you do it quickly, your brain will shut down, parts of it will shut down, and you will actually be in a blackout. And you are functioning, you're talking, you're doing stuff, but you're not aware of it, and you don't remember it. So I think it's more likely that this guy was in a alcohol-induced blackout when he brutally killed his 21-year-old roommate, Brooke Preston, while he was living with her in West Palm Beach. So this nightmare of a case is a thrilling mystery because it's really not solved because, yes, he was convicted, but the defense was he was sleepwalking. And he actually made a confession to 911 operators. 911 emergency. We need to send police. Someone's been murdered. I'm sorry. It was me. All I remember is standing over top of her and I'm holding a knife in my hand. I don't remember anything that just happened. So that's Randy Herman Jr. talking about killing his friend, Brooke Preston. 
I mean, the murder was sort of out of the blue because they were actually childhood friends. What was the motive? Something was off about this case. When the police questioned Randy, he was remorseful about what had happened. I definitely felt that he had profound amnesia for the event. And then there was certainly a lack of motive. So Randy's sad saga begins in a small rural town in Pennsylvania called Laceyville. He lived there with his mother and sisters. Parents got a divorce when he was young. His father was mostly absent from his life. And in 2013, he lost his part-time job after a drug charge for possession of marijuana. And then a few days after that, he was pulled over for drunk driving. He left school and moved back home where he continued to drink. In 2014, he was charged with another DUI. So this is an indication, multiple DUIs is an indication of a person who has an alcohol problem, who is an alcoholic, who can't stop drinking despite the consequences in life. And during his time in jail for the second DUI, he did find out that his father had murdered his live-in girlfriend and then took his own life in Alabama. So Randy was desperately needing a new lease on life. He decided to move to Florida along with his childhood friend, Brooke Preston, after he was released from jail. So, you know, she stood with him through this whole thing, but he continued to be a blackout drinker. And it's an alcohol-induced amnesia during which a person actively engages in behaviors like walking and talking, doesn't remember doing it. You can even drive in a blackout. You can actually drive home and not remember getting home. Now, it's very unsafe. You can have unconsensual sex. You can perform other risky behaviors that can lead to harmful and potentially life-threatening situations or possibly even murder. I mean, blackouts are a very scary thing. If you've never experienced one, you wake up, you're like, what did I say? What did I do? Who did I call? You check your phone, you check the car, make sure you didn't drive. Now, it's important to also note that blacking out from alcohol is different from passing out as the person is fully conscious when blacked out. In fact, anything the person can do when they're drunk, they can do while they're blacked out. So it's just simply, you won't remember it. What happened last night? A concept that was fabulously portrayed in the movie, The Hangover. Now, why am I seeing tooth? Oh. <laughs> Whose baby is that? Check his collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. <laughs> <laughs> we were messed up. Is there anything you can tell us about what may have happened last night? Congratulations, dude. You got married. She is wearing my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. We're getting married in five hours. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So say you're a drinker and when you're sober, your memories are formed after sensory input is processed in short-term memory through a process called transfer encoding, which is then moved to a similar process into the individual's long-term memory. Now, excessive alcohol consumption, especially really quickly, can trigger a chemical reaction in the brain that disrupts this process and prevents the brain from making any new memories. So alcohol interferes with receptors in the brain that carry signals between the neurons, causing some brain cells to then manufacture steroids that prevent memory formation. Now, when a person is blacked out, the brain continues to process information, but is incapable of forming new memories due to this reaction. It's really quite interesting. There are two distinctive forms of alcohol-caused blackouts, including N-block, or complete blackout that involves total memory loss of events until the body's BAC level lowers and memory processing returns. Memory cannot be recalled under any circumstances, not even hypnosis, nothing. 
Does that, you know, did it ring a bell that you got on top of the table and started dancing with a lampshade on your head? No. Then you've got fragmentary or partial memory loss that includes partial recollection of events during the drinking period that can be recovered when triggered with certain cues. It's important to understand that blacking out is often a result of how quickly you consume the alcohol, not how much. So if you're like, you know, a binge drinker and you take three shots in a row, you're more likely to experience a blackout than someone who drinks three alcoholic beverages over a period of three hours. Now, blackouts are really common among younger drinkers. Teenagers and young adults are more likely to binge drink. And when they do drink more alcohol per binge and quickly drink, they are more likely to blackout. By the way, if you binge drink and experience blackouts, you're more likely to have long-term cognitive and memory problems later in life. Now, if you're hearing me talk about this and you're like, that's me or it's somebody you love and you're struggling with a drinking problem, don't be afraid to ask for help. You can contact a treatment provider and learn about available rehab options. It's very difficult to stop drinking, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. So Randy lived in Florida with Brooke and her sister for six months. He had gotten a job. He quit after four months. He drank through his inheritance that was left to him by his father. So in 2016, Brooke left South Florida for Buffalo to live with a boyfriend. And then a few months later, she returned to West Palm Beach to collect the rest of her belongings. She was going to say goodbye to her friends. And when she got back to Florida, Randy was broke and depressed. He was an alcoholic. So... Despite his resolve to quit drinking, Randy downed upwards of 30 beers while celebrating with Brooke when she came home. But he increasingly became belligerent after all the drinking, and Brooke called another friend to pick her up. So the next day, Randy called Brooke over to the house to give her a t-shirt, and she took it and hugged him goodbye before leaving. And that's the last thing Randy remembers of Brooke being alive. Randy, who was absolutely in love with Brooke Preston. Brooke was stabbed 25 times. He claimed to have slept after she left, but less than 20 minutes later, he was standing over her brutalized body with a hunting knife in his hand. He also had cuts on his own hands that showed how Brooke struggled to protect herself. So after Randy made that 911 call confessing to Brooke's death, he was charged with first-degree murder, and the evidence included Brooke's blood on his socks and hands, his skin underneath her fingernails, and the 911 call. Now, despite rigorous questioning by police and no motive, Randy's mother, Kathy, insisted that he couldn't have killed anyone and suggested sleepwalking as a possible explanation for the murder. She cited incidents from Randy's childhood where she had found him opening cabinets and riding a bike in his sleep. As a child, one night, Randy rode his bike to the bar. I knew he was sleepwalking because he didn't speak to me. And then Randy's defense team during the trial brought in a forensic psychologist who confirmed the diagnosis and said there were signs of parasomnia sleep disorder. It's almost impossible to wake up a sleepwalker. The alcohol was something that would make people more apt to sleepwalk. His defense attorney had him plead not guilty by reason of insanity, not because he was clinically insane, but because there was a defect that led to the grotesque killing. And that was his mistake by pleading guilty by reason of insanity for sleepwalking, because one has nothing to do with the other. Your life was spiraling out of control. That's correct. She said Randy was naked and that freaked her out. But Randy Herman's case was not the first time a defendant put forth sleepwalking as a criminal defense. In fact, in 1846, a Boston man was acquitted of murder 
of an escort after his attorney claimed that he was a chronic sleepwalker. In 1997, a devout Mormon in Arizona stabbed his wife 44 times and dragged her body into the backyard pool in his sleep. However, the jury did not believe Randy's sleepwalking defense. He was sentenced to life in prison in May of 2019, three years ago. As part of Randy's defense during the trial, the forensic psychologist, Dr. Charles Ewing, testified, you know, it usually takes some time to fall into a kind of sleep that leads to sleepwalking. It has to be very deep. However, he also said that someone can fall into a deep sleep immediately, especially when drinking and sleep-deprived. Potentially anyone can be a sleepwalker. Someone can kill somebody in their sleep under the right circumstances. The alcohol was something that would make people more apt to sleepwalk. The latter was Randy's case, but I postulate that he wasn't sleepwalking, he was in a blackout. Big difference. Now, Herman claimed that he had spoken to Preston minutes before her death and later only remembers having stabbed her. According to the documentary Dead Asleep, the memory of Randy being awake just minutes before the murder could have been a dream or an imagined memory. This is all very... The jurors pointed to that specific memory when they were asked their reason for convicting him. They felt Randy couldn't have returned to a deep sleep minutes after talking to Preston. Thus, the timeline of events was a big motivating factor for the jury to convict Randy Herman Jr. Randy is currently incarcerated at the Hardy Correctional Facility. He is serving life in prison without parole. In November, he filed a motion with the 15th Judicial Circuit asking the court to vacate his first-degree murder conviction. He plans to represent himself and argues that his attorneys didn't provide a proper defense in advising him to plead insanity. In his motion, he wrote that the counsel did not conduct an adequate investigation or they would have discovered that sleepwalking should have been raised under the legal defense of automatism and not insanity. Automatism refers to the bodily movements that are not consciously controlled, like breathing or sleepwalking, like in a blackout. While Randy is deeply regretful and distraught following the murder of Brooke Preston, he still believes that it was not intentional. Brooke, Randy moved down here in Florida to start a new life. They were always laughing, swimming, bowling, always having fun. He wrote with Brooke. They were like brother and sister. So what happened? We really don't know. And he doesn't know for sure. But being in a blackout doesn't mitigate a DUI or DUI manslaughter. So he's got a rough road to hoe. However, Randy's incarceration has apparently not kept him from dating. There's a woman named Nicole Ellen who recently posted a TikTok video that includes photos of herself visiting an inmate that looks very similar to Randy. And the clip also includes a Valentine's Day letter from the inmate who signs it, Love Randy. Well... That wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Don't forget to check me out on my Instagram page, Full Rigor Podcast. Also, please like or give me five stars for this podcast if you did enjoy it. And until next time, thanks for listening.